Luke Fevin has fought against mandatory prayers in Alberta, Canada's secular schools. He also sits on the board of the Society of Edmonton Atheists and founded the advocacy group Albertans for Equality Education. I wanted to talk to him about some of the differences between the church-state separation battles we often see in the United States and the sort of battles he and several other people are fighting up in Canada. So, Luke, thank you so much for joining me. Great to be with you, Hammond. So, Luke, can you tell me kind of some of the big differences? Let's start with public schools, and we'll we'll work our way from there. Uh, based on what you know, what are the big differences in terms of how religion operates in public schools in the U.S. compared to in Canada and specifically Alberta? Um, well, <laughs> let me describe it this way. If, if you and I were to have the, a conversation and you were to say to me, uh, so describe how you guys run your education system uh, in Alberta, uh, which is a province uh, to the west of Canada. Uh, we call it Texas North um, <laughs> because it is uh, it is tied, tied to oil and um, uh, also uh, fairly rural uh, in its outlook. Um and uh, uh, so, how do you how do you run your education system? Uh, well, we operate two school systems. Uh, we have one school system for Catholics, and uh, we have another school system for everybody else. That's how that's how in the year two thousand and sixteen in the province of Alberta, Canada, that's how we run our government-run, fully publicly funded school system, uh, which is of course completely mad. Uh, beyond that. Within the public system, we actually have religious public schools, fully religious public schools, again, run by the government, fully publicly funded. And then again, within public uh, schools that might be more secular uh, in that they're not uh, predisposed to any particular uh, religion, they are a public school. Within that, we will have religious programs. Up here, we have um, a program called Logos, which is um, a Christian-oriented religious program. And then again, within public schools uh, that aren't explicitly religious or aren't doing the Logos or and are doing the Logos program, we'll have a lot of um, or a number of public schools that will actually start their day with um, a recitation of the Lord's Prayer, uh, which is, we'll get into it, but it is entrenched in the um, in the Constitution here. What, what's um, the percentage and, breakdown of all these things? Are we, I mean, how many schools are we talking? <laughs> are we talking like 50% Catholic, 50% uh, so-called secular schools? What is it? Um, well, the, the the breakdown is, and I should say, then we have private schools that are also um, majority public funded. We have lots of um, religious private schools as well that also receive public funds. In terms of the breakdown, and uh, this will be close but um, not absolute, um, uh, about 25% of the public and Catholic schools – sorry um, – Catholic schools account for about one in four, just under one in four of the government-run public schools here. Um, and then within the public schools, we probably have uh, Logos programs in 20% of those, um, Lord's Prayer probably in 5% of uh, the, the more rural schools tend to have it. And uh, again, uh, private schools, a fairly high percentage tend to be uh, religiously oriented. Okay, so this is not like some small fraction of all the schools there. This is this is pretty substantive. There's a lot of them. This is this is front and center, and um, often in the news uh, as we work through uh, societal 
um, societal issues with, uh, you know, how we manage um, uh, gay rights here, for example, and the rights of, um, of trans people. Uh, you know, we, we get a lot of pushback from religious schools and Catholic schools with uh, their, their religious rights, their, their right to what I would describe as bigotry. Um, and the, the rights and the safety of LGBTQ students, especially given it's, uh, it's done on the public dime. So, yeah, we, we have a lot of issues with it. And what are the laws in regards? I mean, is this all OK, given Canadian law that uh, not just that there are Catholic schools getting public money, but that public schools are saying the Lord's Prayer? They are ostensibly religious, if not that in name. Is this all OK? <laughs> yeah, the one of the things that'll surprise an American audience, I think, is that um, our Constitution, unlike the U.S. Constitution, actually specifically favors religion and Christianity in particular, uh, and it's been down to our Supreme Court um, to try and wheedle out uh, the the equality that is obviously a hallmark of a progressive progressive society. So Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms actually opens with, this is the first line of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, whereas Canada is founded upon principles that recognize the supremacy of God and the rule of law. Now, um, uh, anybody involved in uh, anything legal out there will, uh, will appreciate that the preamble is somewhat toothless, but it does give some context. Um, as to the, the rest of the questions, the um, why we have the Lord's Prayer, why we have separate schools um, are similar but separate issues. Uh, so if you, if you want, I can try and blast through a uh, the, the world's quickest history lesson. Let's do it. On, okay. So um, the British North, North America Act uh, is actually in the late 80s, 1886, I think, which is when Canada started to get it together here. Um, but in the West, uh, Alberta and Saskatchewan, the province of Saskatchewan, uh, didn't exist. Uh, it was the Northwest Territories until 1905. And uh, uh, we had a prime minister at that time called Wilfrid Laurier, who was trying to unite the country, trying to bring these new provinces into confederation. And uh, he had a balancing act, uh, uh, which is he had the French Catholics uh, primarily in Quebec, and then he had the English Protestants. And, um, and at the same time, he had an election to win. And the way that he did that in 1905 uh, was to... Um, or one of the things that he did was to promise separate schools, um, particularly for the Catholics, but the, um, it did swing both ways. So that in Quebec, um, and I should say this, this only counts for Protestants and Catholics because in 1905, uh, we didn't care about any other religions. Oh, none other uh, existed. It's all good. <laughs> And by the way, so, all the stuff you're talking about right now, is this specifically in Alberta where all this stuff is happening with the school division breakdown as you're talking about, or is this uh, Canada wide? Um, so there are, there are um, uh, 10 provinces and three territories here in Canada. Um, the Catholic school system is in three, um, Alberta and Saskatchewan. 
uh, which are adjacent and came into confederation at the same time under this one piece of legislation, and Ontario, which people will recognize um, for um, you know being home of you know Toronto and outside of Quebec, the uh, you know the main part of uh, the main part of Canada. Um, so it's it is it's only three provinces. If you go if you roll to the west coast here to British Columbia, um, the uh, the school act there is that schools have to be secular. Um, so it is it is particular to these three provinces, and the legislation that I'm talking about is particular to Alberta and to Saskatchewan. Um, and so that was the uh, that was the deal. Uh, Wilf- Wilfrid Laurier said the Catholics can have separate schools, uh, you know, in, in in the West here, and the Protestants can have separate schools in Quebec. Um, and uh, and and that is why we have the separate school system today. What is kind of ridiculous about the fact that we're still doing this in, in 2016 is Quebec, for example, um, as well as other provinces, uh, actually New Brunswick, um, got rid of their separate school system uh, in the last century, 1996, I think. Quebec did away with um, uh, separate schools. Now, that leaves Alberta in a fairly interesting or odd position of having made a deal because of uh, Quebec uh, Quebec is now out of the deal, um, but of course the the Catholics here that like their um, the privilege that they have, um, you know, still still hold on to the fact that you know they're constitutionally allowed to have separate sc- these Catholic schools, uh, even though the reason for them um, actually doesn't exist any anymore. In fact, they're called separate schools because, of course, they were supposed to be separate to the Protestant public schools, uh, but we don't have Protestant public schools anymore. Uh, so we're not entirely sure what they're separate from. Uh, although I will will say my favorite internet answer was uh, that they are separate from reality. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> now, when I first heard of you a couple of years ago, it's because you were, um, I don't know if it was a lawsuit or not, but you were trying to eliminate the prayer in the secular schools. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I, what happened to me... Um, my eldest child, which is now, tw- she's now 12, um, we looked for a public school. And in the area that I lived, it, there was a bit of an anomaly. It was the, the last area in uh, Alberta where the public school system was actually Catholic and the separate school system was Protestant, the only place in Alberta that that took place. And um, so we were looking for a school, given my, uh, or given myself and my wife's uh, view of the universe, you know, a religious school was not for us. And we found this really great little public school. Um, and, uh, and so my daughter was enrolled in, in pre-kindergarten for a year, then kindergarten for a year, then grade one started. And my wife came home from the first day and she said, you're not going to believe this. Uh, and at the beginning of every day, uh, over the loudspeaker, over the entire school, um, they would play the Lord's Prayer and all the kids would uh, would stop and recite the Lord's Prayer in, in some kind of surreal, Stepford-esque, um, <laughs> spooky. It really was. It was really quite kind of spooky and disturbing. Um, and uh, And so we... You know, it's funny when you're an activist, and it's the same up here as it is down there, I suspect. You know, when you want to speak out about religion, even when you're talking about your rights and the denial of your rights, you know, you get real nervous because 
this 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 topic has the potential to go sideways. The bottom line is we spent a few months not saying anything, putting up with our kids saying this every morning and then feeling worse and worse about it. And then finally we said to the school, no, you know what, we have we have a, a charter right um, to be, um, no, not only do we have freedom of religion, but the Supreme Court of Canada has ruled that freedom of religion includes freedom from religion. And that means um, that you, um, you don't, uh, it's not okay to be coerced into uh, participating in religion. And oh, clearly this is the case in a public school. So we spoke up. The net result is they didn't get rid of the prayer. Now they segregate the children every day into prayers and non-prayers, which is um, seven years later, about a 50-50 split. And the the other net result is that we got run out of town. And um, because of that, I became a, a bit of an activist for, for this. We started looking around, and then we found out this was going on um, in maybe a dozen schools that we know of around Alberta, uh, where people and kids are being forced to pray against their will, even though they have a fundamental constitutional right uh, not to do it. And students weren't just sitting out on their own, or were they not allowed to, or they didn't even know to do it before all of this began happening? Um, well... You know, we we have this we have this wonderful um, we have this wonderful tradition in uh, Canada where um, if you were Jewish or you know Jehovah's Witness perhaps uh, you would as a child you'd get up and you'd go uh, leave the classroom and you'd go stand outside in the corridor on your own, um, which that sounds like a right punishment. It is. It's an. I mean, any right-minded person. Imagine doing that to an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old or ten-year-old. I mean, it's, it's absolutely insane. Uh, anyway, and so in Ontario in 1988, there was actually a court case, uh, Zalberg versus Sudbury, and uh, the Ontario uh, uh, court ruling on this said, no, this you, you can't do this. Even even allowing someone to exempt themselves from doing the prayer still doesn't uh, fulfill the need to be free from religion because, and they, were, they actually ruled on three counts. They said it was coercive because, of course, any kid's going to want to stay with their friends and not be the lemon that has to get up and walk out in front of everybody, um, that it stigmatized children uh, that didn't participate, which is exactly that that point. And, uh, and then thirdly, it actually forced families to self-identify their religious beliefs. You know, you as a family should not be forced to out yourself as being Christian or non-Christian just by attending your, your local public school. Um, the following year, the British, uh, the British Columbian Supreme Court um, um, adopted that ruling in its entirety, and uh, all of Canada stopped doing it. At uh, the end of the 90s, 10 years later, um, in, uh, in another province uh, here, there was um, another uh, non-Queen's um, Bench ruling. Uh, that also said the same thing. So every single ruling that we've had on this issue in Canada has all said that doing this, segregating children based on, on doing the prayer and only doing the Lord's Prayer, because the Lord's Prayer is the only thing that is constitutionally protected, um, you know, denies non-Christians their charter rights. Yet here in Alberta, despite the fact that um, the school boards know and the people know, people's neighbors know, that if, if we do this, we're denying uh, our neighbors their charter rights. There is a loophole in the law that allows them to still do it. And what is frightening, what is absolutely disgusting is that people go, you know what, we like our unfair privilege 
more than we care about fairness or freedom or equality in our community and we're still going to leverage it and it's um it's absolutely mad and the situation now is what the kids are not kicked out of the classroom but instead what they can just remain in the classroom seated not say it at all are they saying it 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 varies Helen. um because we have we have multiple school districts and you know individual schools with each within each of those districts and because our education minister here is afraid to to act because no elected politician wants to take on you know the uh, the religious groups um what we have is we have to fight this fight every day it's like groundhog day or whack-a-mole um we have to fight this fight every day in a new school. Um, we don't have, in uh, in Saskatchewan, we actually did have a couple of school boards that took a school board level decision to not do this anymore. And that was fantastic. Uh, here in Alberta, uh, we actually have had to fight it on a poor, per school basis. They're letting the principals decide. So we have some schools where they segregate the kids. We have some schools where they just do it. Everybody does it in the gym every morning, every kid. Well, we know, you know, not every kid there is a Christian. We know that. Um, but every every kid in the school is reciting the Lord's Prayer every morning. We have other places where they segregate the kids. Um, so in the morning, the prayers go to the praying rooms and the non-prayers go to the non-praying rooms. This is how we run public education, right? This is absolutely mad. Um, and then we do, we have, um, we have schools where, you know, the kid can uh, just sit there in his chair or has to go outside. And can I just say, this is how bad it is. And this is what pees me off about the fact that when governments don't act, regular people have to stand up for their rights and regular people pay a price when politicians don't have the balls to follow through on this. There was one young lady, a single mum, down in a a town called Tabor, southern Alberta here, and her child was actually publicly told off for not reciting the prayer in her classroom. She complained and the net result is that single mum, that kid, they were driven out of their hometown by the crap that followed um, the fact that um, her child had been publicly told off for, for not reciting the Lord's Prayer. And that is not the only case of it. It really is, um, it really is quite upsetting when you see the price regular people pay for this. So this is still an issue that is affecting students today, even though this battle has been fought many times before. Yeah, uh, yes, it is. Uh, the, the current state of play, to, to wrap up the, the Lord's Prayer topic, is, um, you know, this goes on and we think probably um, a, still a dozen schools here where people want out or they're having their charter rights denied. Um, we do have um, a human rights commission here in Alberta that you uh, uh, can appeal to. And we have two cases in two separate school jurisdictions um, where human rights complaints are pending. And I would imagine we've got about six months to run to see whether those are accepted and acted upon. But even if, even if one of those human rights complaints is upheld, there is no jurisdictional requirement then for every other school in Alberta to then stop doing it. So you have to keep whacking the moles all over well, the place. Well, my... My hope is that people finally see that this isn't okay. 
Um, but unfortunately, up to this point, for as many great um, great Christians out there, and there, and there are obviously lots of them, and I want to paint them all with the the, the same brush. Um, there are there are an uncomfortable amount that know it's unfair, that may know it's not right, but they don't care. They're just going to hang on to this privilege for as long as they absolutely can, and we keep fighting. Well, let me ask you about a different uh, topic then, which is. What about religion and government? Because in the uh, United States, we had a Supreme Court case that basically said sectarian invocation prayers, you know, your Christian prayers, your uh, Muslim prayers, what have you, they are legal at the start of local government meetings. Uh, And a lot of atheists have used that, Satanists have used that to kind of really uh, push the buttons of some government officials. But uh, in Canada, there was a similar Supreme Court case about uh, invocations at government meetings. I, am I right there? And can you fill us in on what happened there? Yeah, absolutely. And in, in fact, we, um, we, we went the other way up here. Um, our Supreme Court, and I have to say our Supreme Court's been actually really good from a secularist standpoint. Um, but there was a court case uh, uh, from a place called Saguenay in Quebec, um, where they were opening every day, I think, with a Catholic prayer, and um, and the, a complaint was um, a complaint was lodged. And again, I think you know this has taken maybe twelve years or seven years to to come to uh, fruition with all the um, all the appeals and counter appeals. But the bottom line is, the Supreme Court of Canada ruled that city councils um, cannot open with um, uh, with prayer. And there is room, there is room for a moment of reflection, um, but not with spare, uh, not with prayer specifically. And one of the great things about this ruling is the Supreme Court of Canada um, gave a great description about uh, what secularism is. And one of the challenges I find in the conversation about you know atheism and secularism is secularism is often misused or misunderstood, or the meaning is being changed over time to somehow be a more anti-religious perspective, um, whereas secularism, um, in its original context and certainly in the context of the Supreme Court of Canada, just means an absence of religion, um, and that absence of religion, that that secularism. Uh, is not an endorsement of anti-religion. It, it is simply a, a, an absence of. And um, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a great ruling. We still have city councils here. We still have places where uh, the mayor is is a Christian, and he's saying, "Supreme Court, be damned." We're going to do it once again. You know, some poor member of public is going to have to stand up, pay a price, and you know, have friends turn against them, and you know, get get beaten up on social media and all this kind of stuff to stand up for a right uh, because some Christian mayor in some town won't um, still won't follow uh, this clear guideline from the Supreme Court of Canada. But I'm happy to say that the two main cities here in Alberta, uh, Edmonton and Calgary, have both um, have both fallen into line. But um, in, on an as inter- opposed on an to in- the public sorry. schools, though, as opposed to the public schools, however, this is a Supreme Court decision. So what happens to these public officials who say, eh, screw the law, I'm going to do things my way, the way I want to? I mean, in the U.S. right now, we have a case where Roy Moore, the chief justice in Alabama, said, uh, forget the gay marriage, marriage equality decision from the Supreme Court. Uh, the 
justices in our state don't have to fulfill these gay marriage, same-sex marriage requests. And you know what? He lost his job right now because of that. He's appealing, but he lost his job because of that. What happens to these public officials in Canada who defy this idea that you can't have prayers at government meetings, at city council meetings? Um, We don't know yet because... (laughs) uh, there has been no – so the, the Supreme Court ruling came through probably 12 months ago. Um, but there has been no formal complaint that I'm aware of lodged against any of the, uh, any of the mayors uh, of any cities that I know this is happening with. So the answer right now is we're waiting to see what's going to happen. Okay. So we'll keep fighting that one too, I guess, even though the Supreme Court – already ruled on it yeah yeah absolutely all right what are some of the other big uh church state type of issues that you personally are really active with and interested in and what should the people in the u.s because that's where most of our listeners are coming from what should they be aware of that's going on in canada right now well um so there, there's there's two things so so there's one I'll, I'll get into healthcare here and then if we can i'll actually loop back to the separate catholic system um, which is perhaps the most entertaining part of uh, of this conversation, and that'll uh, that'll be a, a good way for us to to run it out. All right. The um, the healthcare system here in Alberta um, also throws up some problems with the Catholics. We have um, a number of of Catholic hospitals here. So, for example, in the in the city that I live just outside of uh, Edmonton, ninety uh, percent of the hospitals that provide palliative care here are Catholic hospitals. Um, now, they are the, they receive the vast majority of their funding. You know, 90-odd percent of their funding uh, is public funding. These are public hospitals. Um, but through a, a historical anomaly, are Catholic. You know, the, the, the buildings are funded publicly. Um, it's, uh, it is in, in everything other than name. It's a um, it's a public hospital, um, and again, the Supreme Court ruled uh, very recently that I, as a Canadian, I have a right to assisted dying. And uh, but the problem is because ninety percent, and I don't get to choose which hospital I go to. You know, when if uh, if I'm lucky enough to get old, and I get become frail, and you know I collapse, and they whisk me off to hospital. I don't get to choose, but I have a nine in ten chance right. of getting ending up in a Catholic bed, uh, and uh, I will be cared for uh, based on Catholic traditions. And that means that even though it's a publicly funded hospital, they will deny me assisted dying, which is a Canadian right, according to the Supreme Court of Canada. And we had a really horrible, horrible example of the failure of this, because they'll say, no, it's, it's all fine. We'll transfer you. We'll take care of it. We'll do all this stuff. But in the real world, so wait, we had before, a case. Before you yep. go to that, I mean, just to be clear here, if you go to a Catholic hospital, the Canadian law now says if you're you know, dying of some d- incurable disease and you are of a certain age, you're a Canadian citizen, you're not going to get better, there's no cure for this, you have a right to ask the doctor to help you die uh, on your own terms, and the doctor is, in most cases, in theory, able to help you do that without being punished for it, but you're saying at these Catholic hospitals, which is the majority of these hospitals in Alberta, 
the doctors are not allowed to help. Um, yes, it's not not just that they're not allowed to help. I mean, they they tend to be Catholic doctors, and um, and so they they won't um, uh, they won't help. Now, I I should say, nobody here is suggesting that a doctor that does not want to participate in assisted dying uh, any more than a doctor that does not want to perform abortions uh, should be compelled to do so unless there was, you know, the life of a healthy sure, person. Sure. But you're uh, saying there are some doctors at Catholic hospitals who may want to help, but they're forbidden from doing it at these hospitals. That's, that's correct. And the that's only option correct. then you're saying is for these patients to be transferred to a secular hospital. Um, th- that is correct. And there was reported just only two weeks ago out of BC, the most horrific story of, uh, of a gentleman who endured for the last two days of his life the most excruciating pain, physical pain and suffering, and mental pain and suffering, and his family um, dealing with that because a publicly, what should be a publicly run, publicly funded hospital refused to give him uh, a right that the Supreme Court of Canada says he has. And they had to transfer him, and it went horribly, horribly wrong. And I think I remember that story. He had to, like, wait hours and hours before, like, they could even transfer him. And then the ride was really horrible, too, like, bumpy and stuff, only exacerbating the pain. And um, and uh, they messed up with the painkillers. Oh, my goodness. It was, yeah, the whole thing was horrific, Kevin. Okay, so, Um, so yeah, this is an issue that's going on right now. Um, and is there any way, uh, is there any sort of legal proceedings to compel these Catholic hospitals to change what they're doing? Can you even do that? W- what's the alternative here? Well, and well, once again, you know, it's it's put on the regular person. The first thing I'll do is point people that are interested in this issue uh, in the direction of dying with dignity up here. Um, and, uh, and, and that would be the go-to place for uh, resources on this. Uh, again... The uh, the government here doesn't want to touch it. Same with the Catholic schools, Catholic hospitals. The uh, the government does not want to get involved. But clearly, something has to be done. And um, and I should say as well, you know, the the Catholic tradition has this um, this thing where um, it won't bury or it won't perform rites for um, those that end their lives through suicide. Gloriously. Um, glorious timing that right after this uh, this gentleman died and went went through this um the day after the the bishops here announced uh that they would not provide um you know funeral services for people that participated in assisted dying and worse than that actually suggested it was okay for the family of these people to lobby the dying to not go through this and can i just say this once again this glorification of suffering makes me so angry you know i'm not i'm not entirely sure what your um what your what your language uh requests are for um say for whatever you podcast. want say whatever you want uh, but you know <laughs> i i mean it does it's it's i am so fucking angry what? at the pain and suffering that people go through um you know now we have people that should what that want to take an assisted dying uh, option um and they're being compelled or coerced to hang on and suffer so that they can actually have a Catholic funeral. 
And and you mentioned this this glorification of suffering, which is a interesting way of putting it. But this idea that Catholics oppose suicide, so they'd rather see you basically tortured as long as your life will permit, because that's better somehow. Like it doesn't make it. It's not common sense. It that's dogma for you, right? Um, absolutely. I mean, I I have nothing to add other than that's just awful. you know this 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 is where. You know, this is where I wish we could be humanistic and, and use logic rather than dogma because of the the price that people pay. So I, I I'll I'll skip through a couple of other um, just minor yeah. uh, irritations in the in the government field here. Um, so a shout out to the society uh, the Society of Edmonton Atheists up here, absolutely fantastic atheist group, and um, does a, a lot of good stuff out there. Um, we're not a huge group. But man, do we punch above our weight? Uh, we got a really dewy president up here. You met Karen, absolutely wonderful lady. And um, so I, I, I'll give you an example. A few years back, we had a year where uh, our group volunteered on a on a flood cleanup. We got involved with Habitat for Humanity and cancer wigs and blood drives and food donations, charity donations, river city cleanup and um, highway cleanup. And man, we, we did all this stuff and we punched above our weight. You know, it was a um, it was a group to be proud of. It was a period of time to be proud of. And so we applied uh, to the AGLC, which is the uh, liquor and gaming um uh, commission here uh, that looks after liquor and gaming. And we have a, a thing here where off the back of gambling, the proceeds from gambling actually go back into charities and to doing good uh, back into society. So you can, if you're a nonprofit, you can apply for what we call casino funding. Okay. And so we, we applied for casino funding and we were denied. Um, and Technically, uh, they were right to deny us because you kind of have to do one really good thing in one area um, to qualify rather than doing lots of good things in lots of areas. Um, so there's, it's an irritation that we didn't qualify, but that, that's the correct interpretation of their rules if that's their rules. But here's the kicker. In going through this, I tell you what, you do qualify for casino funding for. And by the way, casino funding, we're talking about up to $70,000 every couple of years. So this is not an insignificant sum of money for a nonprofit organization. If you provide a course in religious instruction or you provide a place of worship, the Alberta government via the AGLC will give you casino funding. But if you're the Society of Edmonton Atheists knocking your little selves out to, you know, try and help out out there, you don't qualify. So again, it's one of those That's one of those irritations, this this leftover privilege, um, you know, from uh, from decades and centuries back. <laughs> and you said there was one other thing about uh, the school system, the Catholic school system. Yeah, so let's get back to the Catholic school system. Um, it's, it is it is absolutely mind-blowing uh, that we go through um, what we go through with this system and it continues to be publicly funded. Um, so once again, I just want to make sure everyone clearly understands that um, these hundreds and hundreds of schools, uh, they're all owned by the government, so they're owned by the public. They're all 100% funded by the public, and uh, first of all, they actually operate outside of the 
um, constitutional requirements that, that allowed them to exist in the first place. I won't get into boring details, but the bottom line is um, this one section in the Constitution says, hey, you have this right to uh, separate schools if you're the minority between Protestants and Catholics in a given area. Uh, and then uh, next to it, it says religious instruction will be limited to the last 30 minutes of the day. Now, here's the crazy thing. Um, we have a, a thing called the Hansard here in Canada, and the Hansard is um, the uh, the transcript from the floor of our uh, government houses. So the House of Commons, when Wilf, Wilf, Prime Minister Wilfrid Laurier and uh, all his um, all his fellow politicians were debating this, everything was transcribed. So not only do we have the law to look at to say, hey, this is what they meant, but we actually have the discussions and debates to look at to say, hey, you know, are we interpreting uh, the law correctly? There is no doubt when. Um, uh, when separate schools were enacted, the idea was that they would be secular during the day. And they actually used the word secular. So we're supposed to be running these two systems, and during the day they're secular, until the last 30 minutes of the day. And then you have religious instruction. And the idea was, of course, that uh, in most places in Alberta, that would be Protestant instruction. But Catholics could run their schools, and then in the last 30 minutes of the day, they could have Catholic instruction. Um, Catholic schools here for a century have completely flouted, uh, you know, these restrictions. And again, it's one of these frustrations um, with that comes up a lot with religion here, that uh, they'll grab hold of the law uh, where it benefits them. Uh, but where there's a restriction on what they're allowed to do, they will completely ignore it. Um, but the government will not... Uh, will not press them uh, to toe the line. And um, there, there are court cases going on. Check back in with me uh, in a year. There are court cases going on that will actually impact uh, the separate school system. But what does it mean within the separate school system? It means that we have publicly paid trustees that um, uh, we have a law here that says, it's called Bill 10. It says that any student can ask that a gay-straight alliance in that name or a name that they choose can be established in any school. Gay-straight alliances are just friendship clubs. They're um, Right, we have them spaces. here too. Excellent. Yeah. Um, well, the, the, Catholic, uh, the Catholic schools here and the private religious schools have said that they will not allow this to happen, uh, despite the fact that it's the law. Um, so we're, we've had to fight them on that front. Uh, and then we have uh, transgender rights issues. And, um, you know, the, with, without getting too complicated here, you know, a transgender girl is a girl. In many respects, you don't even need to say transgender in front of it. Right. Um, uh, but uh, we have problems here with the fact that the Catholic schools do not want to allow transgender girls into the girls' washrooms because um, they have their head rooted in dogma rather than science because of that, they completely fail to appreciate um, what a what a girl, what a transgendered girl actually is. You know, it's not a boy in a dress right. that wants to rape girls. And we're seeing uh, that same fight in states like North Carolina here too, where uh, yeah, that same issue is happening, and people are hopefully kicking that governor out of office in a couple of weeks. We'll see. But it's frustrating because that's like you said, these are taxpayer-funded schools that are doing this, and they're basically getting away with it. 
absolutely. Yeah. We had a vote last week. This was glorious. Um, the Edmonton Catholic School Board actually voted. They're going to lobby government to make our our cable channels remove porn um, <laughs> from the cable channels. Now we're quite a. Um, we're not sure what uh, porn on the TV has to do with a uh, school district. <laughs> um, secondly, the biggest concern is these people are responsible for the well-being of kids. And if they think kids are watching porn on cable TV, then then clearly they have <laughs> no idea what kids are doing today. That's hilarious. But better than this, better than this, we have the HP uh, vaccine. Uh, um, I'm hoping that your listeners are familiar with the uh, HPV uh, vaccine. Yep. Yeah. Or, that's right. Uh, the HPV vaccine where the V stands for vaccine. That, yes, yes. Um, um, the, uh, the, one of the two bishops here, actually, we, of course, the best, best way to roll out vaccines to children here is to make it available, not compulsory, but available through the public school system. And, um, so we were, uh, a couple of years ago here rolling out HP vaccines through the school system. And one of our bishops who is not, a, not elected you know, in any public capacity, he's got nothing to do with the school system. Uh, the Catholic Church doesn't put a single bloody dollar into our school system, uh, but the bishop has an awful lot of say over what goes on in the uh, in the separate school system. Uh, he decided that the HP vaccine would make schoolgirls slutty. Uh, it would make them more promiscuous. We, we have... Uh, had that conversation in the States as well. I mean, we hear that from the religious right here all the time as well, and it's ridiculous. But despite every study to the contrary, yeah. the, the, the bishop actually stopped a government-run, oh publicly-funded school system. Uh, it, this was overturned, but from providing the vaccine. Now, let me also just uh, say quickly, this school system fires trans teachers unmarried pregnant teachers um it discriminates in its hiring i mean there's no reason why um you know a math teacher just to pick a completely random example um you know would have to be catholic uh, to teach math uh, and yet when our when our young teachers uh, go through college and university here they're actually advised in their last year to join a Catholic church to get their Catholic ticket because it will increase their employment opportunities by over 20%. Wow. It goes on, it goes on, it goes on. So, there is so much more heaven for another day. So what you're telling me is when President Trump gets elected, maybe moving up to Canada is not necessarily the best option. <laughs> It is absolutely the best option. Don't you worry. Don't you worry about a couple of little flies in the ointment um, we're, that we're taking care of here. And can I just say, what, here, you mentioned Trump, and you've just triggered one other thing yeah. that just happened, just happened last week. Um, so again, a public school system in southern Alberta has been running three. So it has, let's say, uh, 10, 10 secular public schools that may or may not do the prayer. We're not sure. But there are 10 secular public schools. They have three or four Christian public schools within their organization as well. They've had them for years. Absolutely no problem. But in these Christian communities in the southern Alberta, often heavily Mormon, just out of interest, um, we uh, we actually have a lot of immigrants that are coming um, uh, coming into these areas, and so the school board decided recently that they were going to open an Islamic school. There is now a petition, of course, in southern Alberta <laughs> against 
against religion in schools. Uh, they're now demanding separation of church and state. And really, you know, what I, what I would finish off with uh, on this issue about religion in schools is it's it's a big lie. This idea for so many, there, there are great, that we, we have secularist Christians here, and I, I really want to acknowledge that they're out there. Um, but this this idea a lot of the time that people are saying we want freedom of religion right. it only extends to what they believe and no one else <laughs> absolutely yes. and the moment someone else comes along especially one of those uh, you know those scary islamics uh, the, that's uh, islamist and uh, all hell breaks loose and all <laughs> of a sudden we want separation of church and state well luke thank you so much for joining me what's the best way for people to get in touch with you um, I have, uh, I am according to Luke and that's the number two. So you can find me at according to Luke on Twitter, according to Luke on Facebook. Uh, and I'm also out there on, uh, on YouTube as well. Excellent. We'll have links to all of those in the show notes. Thanks for enlightening us. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time, Hammond.